Steve, happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Welcome back to Civilization, man. What the heck you been doing? <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, we just did a nine-day family road trip with, uh, so we got uh, my wife, our daughter turned three during the trip, and then we also got our little boy who's five months and did nine days on the road. Um, I don't know, probably 35, 40 hours of driving with, <laughs> with two little kids in the car, but we actually, um, we rented a van, like a, it's like a converted van that had beds in the back and had a little, um, Dometic, uh, cooler refrigerator in there and a sink and dude, it was, uh, it was awesome. Like we had the most fun ever. My, my wife loved it cause she could just jump up and change a diaper whenever while I was driving down the road. And yeah, uh, yeah, we had, we had such a great time. So. It totally changes the dynamic of a setup like that versus, say, like a truck and a, a trailer, like a camper, which you have. But being able to move during the during the drive is a game changer. Yeah, no, it was like literally anybody listening that has little kids and needs to travel, seriously look at renting a van. Uh, one we did, it's it's called Wander Vans. They're here in Boise and Salt Lake, and yeah, you you rent a van. It's a little bit more expensive than like renting a car from you know, enterprise or something, but I think it was well, well worth it. We said we had a lot of fun and we went down to, um, Moab, got to do some really fun, cool mountain biking down there, did the whole enchilada trail, which is like this 34 mile, 8,000 foot descent. Um, it was fun, way different riding than I have here in, at home. And then went down and visit some of her family in Albuquerque and then hit up the Grand Canyon on the way home. Saw some Southern Utah's gorgeous, That's man. Insane. I had no idea. Yeah. All, yeah. The, basically the aftermath of the formation of the grand canyon it's just everything down there is gorgeous yeah like there's one town i think it was called Kanab, Kanab, utah I went through that town it was it was unbelievably gorgeous man <laughs> um, yeah i was like yeah, cool. i can live here this is awesome yeah when my wife and i took a road trip pre-kids and we went through all kinds of country but southern utah was one of my favorites for sure and uh she was she was actually pregnant with our daughter and she was so completely sick. And I was so excited driving through Utah, like Monument Valley and all this stuff. And I'd like wake her up and be like, look, babe, look. And she'd just <laughs> kind of roll over and moan and go back to sleep. She was so <laughs> sick. I felt so horrible. So I, I've told her, I'm like, we need to go back when you're actually awake for some of that stuff. Oh, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm personally glad you're back because, uh, you know, work life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just on the podcast for this Monday Minute, we just had a bunch of miscellaneousness. Just to get into a couple things. One is don't forget, there's just a couple days left for the giveaway this month. So you can get some Dark Timber Coffee, off-grid food. Just go to xlmountaingear.com forward slash podcast. Make sure you're entered for that. And it, uh, it closes here at the end of the month, which is in a few days. Um, also reviews, if you're a K3 pack owner user, hopefully you've had some time to put that new system to work. We're going to be drawing some names later this week, um, from folks who have left reviews on K3 products from the website. So if you haven't done that, we're not trying to bribe you to go leave a positive review by saying, we're going to give you free gear. We just want genuine feedback on there. Um, so if you're a K3 pack owner user, head to the website, just go to the product, and then you can leave a review there. And we're going to pick uh, quite a few folks here at the end of the week and send you guys some some free thank yous just for taking the time to do that. Um, and then the last couple of weeks on the Monday Minute, we've been talking about cold weather tips. Steve, a question for you that we didn't answer that I've gotten a few questions about. Actually, you mentioned riding bikes. There's questions on whether that was e-bikes, dirt bikes, and either way, 
what do you use like specifically in terms of models? So I know you've uh, looked at the e-bikes a bit. Have you used those at snow at all or know anybody who has? I'm, I'm curious what traction's like with those. Uh, yeah, I have not used an e-bike hardly at all. Um, so we, we just have motorcycles. Um, everyone makes fun of me cause I basically ride a kid's bike. It's a Kawasaki 144, super low to the ground, has plenty enough power and it's super lightweight that I can kind of get around and, you know, um, get over logs, get over technical rock terrain. So I, I love that little bike. I've had it for quite a few years and there's, um, you know, maybe, we, I try to use it when we can because you can access, I mean, where we were deer hunting there, we were a long ways from the freaking truck because you can ride the bike in there for a long ways. And then if you're willing to, to park and then go hike from there, it opens up a lot of country. So it's it's pretty awesome, awesome way to hunt. We really enjoy doing it. Um, e-bike wise, yeah, I can't speak on an e-bike, but I can speak from mountain biking perspective. And it, you're not going to have any luck going in snow on that thing. So um you know unless it's kind of firm packed but that stuff we were in was uh you know six inches to a foot of pretty soft powdery snow and a bike's just not going to cut through that yeah it um, seems like it'd and, be the case yeah the one and the one thing on e-bike again i'm speaking from mountain biking experience is i just don't think the brakes are going to hold up on a long descent so say with with an animal on your back so if you killed a killed a buck and you're five miles back there and it's downhill all the way out um man i'd like to see someone pack out an 80 pound quarter on their back on that and see how the brakes hold up because i think you're going to be pushing them to the very edge and the problem with a bike uh, unlike a motorcycle you don't have gears to slow you down right you're 100 percent dependent on uh on the brakes to to slow you down the entire way so you're gonna have a tough time uh is a guess i guess um on my part of of getting out of there on an e-bike but Maybe somebody's done it. If you have, let us know. Let us know how that went. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's an interesting space, the whole e-bikes and how it's gotten into the hunting market to see what that looks like in three to five years. Like how common are they? How much are they used? What, how have laws changed or been addressed for uh, the use of those? It's it's a fluid situation in a lot of places for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I think they could be an incredible tool. Uh, you're, uh, you know, Eastern or Western Oregon guy with lots of, you know, logging roads, fire roads, Northern Idaho. Um, there's places where I think those things could be absolutely amazing just here in Southern Idaho. Um, I think it's just too rough and rugged and you're, and you're riding single track rocky trails that I just don't think that they're going to cut it very well. Another cold weather tip, uh, that we got from a listener in this past week. So we didn't include it in the listener episode last week was just, uh, Josh wrote in, and specifically, he wrote in the context of mountain goat hunts, cold weather mountain goat hunts, and he was saying he uses a Tyvek suit for that, which I've seen plenty of guys using that basically as snow camouflage, right? Like a lightweight Tyvek suit. But he was actually saying outside of even mountain goat hunting, they're just actually work really well for basically disposable weather protection, you know, especially if you're kind of busting through thicker stuff and don't want to deal with potentially tearing rain gear or anything like that he actually said they worked great for wind and moisture resistance which i never thought of tyvek suits specifically for that um i just always thought of guys using them as over clothes as camo basically so that was a pretty interesting thought of you know just going to home depot or what have you um and using those basically painter suits those tyvek suits for that so that was pretty interesting have you seen anybody doing that or heard of that steve 
<laughs> no, I have not. Yeah. yeah, it was like completely off my radar. But I could see how, you know, if you're in a, a snow situation, like maybe that's some cheap insurance, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, um, back in the college days, I remember getting a painter suit for goose hunting, you know, just white and laying down yeah. in a snowfield. But not uh, never, ever even crossed my mind to use that for hunting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was new to me. So interesting feedback. And thanks for sharing that, Josh. Um, we had a question from someone who listened to this podcast. Uh, I've actually had some emails back and forth with him. Cool story. He's actually a fly fisherman, but he somehow stumbled upon the podcast and is interested in hunting and has a lot of outdoor backpacking experience, but not hunting. So he's really intrigued by putting all of that together um, and actually starting to hunt and then backpack hunt. And he had this question, Steve. Um, he basically said he loves the idea of hunting with a recurve bow because of its simplicity and the technical challenge. But is he crazy for thinking about beginning as a hunter and doing it with traditional archery equipment? What's your th- What's your initial thoughts on that, Steve? I don't think he's crazy. He just has to, he'd have to have very realistic expectations that, um, you know, I'd say if you're starting out with a bow, say you're bow elk hunting, and it's going to take you on average three to four years before you kill your first one. With a recurve, that might be you know, four, five, six years before you you connect all the dots. I mean, obviously it could happen the first year if you got lucky and things came together, but I would just expect a, a slower learning curve. Um, but it also, you know, just like going from rifle to bow hunting, from bow hunting to traditional bow hunting, it's going to force you to kind of refine your skills and, and become a better hunter as far as just sneaking in and understanding the animals and their movements and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing that came to mind with me of expectations. Um, you know, how much do you want to become a hunter and have some, like, call it early success in terms of filling a tag and having the the complete experience of bringing home meat versus the method that you're choosing to do that? How important is it that it's traditional archery? And that's great if it is, but it's going to change the odds um, of having that complete experience and, you know, notching your first tag, if you will. The other thing I would just say about it, if you go traditional, I would really think about the time that you have to dedicate to that. Um, It's not something where you can pick up a bow a month before season and start. It's really almost something you need to do pretty much year round and then be just really, really consistent with. Um, I mean, being honest, like it's something that I would love to get more into is that traditional side. (laughs) And being honest, I honestly, I don't have the time to do it. And it's not that I don't have the time to do it. I'm not willing to sacrifice other things to make the time to be as consistent as I would like to be in terms of practicing. Cause it's, I, I, even with a compound bow, I'm not the guy that picks it up, you know, a month before season and just, yeah, that's good enough. I I'm pretty dedicated um, to how I practice, but I know that that would have to get to a whole different level for me to be successful and confident and ethical for me personally, um, with a compound bow, which it takes a lot of time investment for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So even the, even the guys that I know that are been killing animals for years uh they all say you got to shoot that bow year round to to be proficient with it cool kodiak um steve we are taking off on another adventure soon man um we will be a little bit quiet on the podcast front because we'll be up in alaska again in kodiak chasing some deer uh and then we get back we'll obviously have some podcasts talking about that adventure what do you this is a new hunt for you steve new hunt for me um, new place, new species, kind of new everything, which is always really exciting. What are you most looking forward to, Steve? <laughs> to be honest, just the whole trip. It's a pretty laid back. Uh, it's not like a backpacking hunt. You you stay in a cabin, jump on a boat in the morning, 
Uh, they take you out, drop you off on a beach, you hunt all day, you meet the boat there uh, right before dark, and then go back to the cabin. So, um, man, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to just really kicking back, relaxing, enjoying it. It's me, you, and, and a really good friend of mine, Mike. Um, I haven't been able to hunt with Mike for quite a few years, just both been busy with you know work and family life, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, it's a whole new experience. Everyone I've talked to that's ever done a Kodiak blacktail hunt just says it's an absolute blast of a time, and we're going to be hunting during the rut, so bucks should be running around. Uh, we also get the opportunity to do some fishing, so I kind of that was a good selling point to the wife as I'm going to come home with a 50-pound <laughs> box full of halibut. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, going back to the theme of asking you listeners if you have any feedback, we just did that for cold weather tips to share with the audience. If you guys have any feedback for Kodiak, man, we're all ears. It's all new to us, and we've obviously been doing some research and have talked to folks that have done that hunt, but we're always uh, open to suggestions and tips if you've done that experience. And uh, other than that, we'll be back uh, with some stories to tell and hopefully some filled tags and maybe some lessons I've learned on if you're going to do a Kodiak hunt in the future, maybe what you shouldn't do. And hopefully some information <laughs> on what you not. should hopefully. do. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the trip just goes off without a hitch. It's yeah. my, uh, gosh, fourth trip to Alaska, I guess. One for moose, two for caribou. And um, I'm hoping one of them goes like perfect because every we'll other has had some serious ups and downs. So yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah it'll be an interesting, uh, you know, back in September was my first trip to Alaska in a, a vastly different place with a different species. But um, I'm kind of looking forward to having, at least for my own sanity, and I think it could be helpful from for some other guys, you know, as a first time Alaska adventure, Kodiak does come up, especially for blacktail. Um, it's a similar cost investment to caribou, maybe even cheaper, um, definitely cheaper, depending on how you do it. And we can talk more about that later. Um, but I think either one of those two options would be a good, like first time Alaska adventure. And so having the opportunity to do both of these, um, this year in this season, I'm kind of curious to see what my perspective is, um, here in a couple of weeks, having done both those hunts, it should be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's uh that's a wrap on this Monday minute, just a, a whole bunch of different stuff going on as always. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back here, um, soon with some stories from Kodiak as well as some other great interviews that we have lined up that we're recording soon so even though uh you know a lot of seasons are wrapping up man we're already looking forward to, to 2020 and to planning next year and to you know continuing to get after it this year so thanks guys for joining us thanks for tuning in um if you haven't yet hit subscribe we'd appreciate you guys doing that to to catch all the next episodes as they're released 